your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM on a Friday, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Happy or, Friday, Rick. Oh, I stepped on it. Sorry. Anthony Tregoski, PhD. I don't know. Has anyone, uh, have we gotten to the bottom of whether I should be doing doctor or PhD? I, I think the PhD thing is catching on. You like it better? Sounds more, pre- pre- does it sound more prestigious? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does if you have fancy letters after your name as opposed to the title. How many people need? I mean, PhD is pretty universal. I know what that means. Oh yeah, yeah. It means not the useful doctor. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. If you have questions, we will probably avoid politics with political science. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we do that sometimes. But um, I was saying I had a dad show on yesterday. I just had a dad show. I had. I heard that. I had Elmer Duhlman's son so we talked about his dad and then uh about the museum and then i had my dad and on. your dad and if anyone wants to go listen to that wisdomnews.com slash podcast and i was just thinking when are we gonna get your dad in here we could do <laughs> you could your dad could sit right here and hang out with us what 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 would we talk about well if my dad's listening i would want to say hello to my dad he is he he's a man of many hats. Let's just put it that way. Now he's substitute teaching, but he's been through about a million different career changes. He actually stayed home with while my mom was working. Uh, did sort of like the reverse gender role kind of thing when my brother and I were really young. But he used to be a traveling musician, so he would play gigs all around the Upper Midwest. And, Does he have one of those harmonica holders that you know, he wears? I, I don't know if he actually plays the harmonica he was a keyboard player but you know one of those things oh, that I holds know, the harmonica yeah, yeah okay i uh i used to know a sports journal kind of like country music that you see that sort of thing well i was gonna say i know a very uh, an older sports journalist at a weekly paper in minnesota that wears the harmonica holder okay but puts the tape recorder in there and records the game <laughs> play by play wise and then after that listens to it and writes down the stats <laughs> if you can imagine how long that would take not the most efficient use of your time number three actually real quick rick reminds yeah. me of the story of my dad's worst gig that he says he ever played he says the worst gig he ever played was a wedding in minnesota that was scheduled at the exact time the Vikings were on. Yeah, that's happened. And guess how many people wanted to dance while the Vikings were on? You got to put the, the TV behind the band. You do. You put the, or in front of the band, so there at least it looks it looks like they're watching. You. And the bride apparently was furious at all of the people who were not dancing and ordered the TV to be turned. That's off. just I'm, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're already married at that point. They're already. It's too so late. It's to all go over. Back. It's yeah. all over. And you know what? In defense of the husband, he maybe didn't care about the Vikings sure. game, but all the other guys. All the other guys there just want to watch the game. Yeah. Uh, number three is calling in. Number three, you're on the air. Go ahead. What are you two clowns going to BS about tonight? <laughs> we don't even know yet. What do you think? What's, what? Well, Where are you going I, for I kind of enjoyed your show listening to your dad talk last night. That was kind of nice, but 
I think to get the real story of Rick Solom, you should have your mother on some night. She could tell more stories. It crossed my mind. It's her birthday next Friday, so we could do that. Well, then have her on a week from tonight. Yeah, have her on. We could talk about uh, mom, because you know what mom had to do. You talk about your dad being home. Mom had to raise three kids. Yeah. So <laughs> she well, has. That'd be kind of fun to listen. Uh, what's, you know, would it be insensitive? Vietnam or raising three kids? I don't know. That's probably uh that's probably not a good analogy, Rick. No, uh, no. <laughs> I'll um, leave it up to your mother to discuss that. And otherwise, you two dudes have a good okay, time. Just I'm wait. Going whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Where are you going for fish? I, Where are you going? I'm going to Berry Mills, up to Berry. All right. And are you mad about anything the city or the county is doing lately with uh, that we need a consultant on? Well, I talked to the mayor about that fancy building over on Wygat Park and hit one in one here and out the other because he said he had nothing to do with the park department. Yeah, we did that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. Okay. I guess they don't listen to me anyway, Rick, so what they're going to do, they're going to do. All right, you've given up on them. I've given up on them. All right, just go. One thing about the school board. Oh, yeah. After my friend Rob Abraham left, I see... They want somebody to put their name in, you know, different people to run. Yeah, they're taking applications. You could run. Well, yeah, but I think they already know who they want on the board. And yeah. they're going to have that person submit their name, and then they'll pick out the one they want. Yeah, They well, want somebody on their own side of the fence. Yeah, well, that's what happens when somebody resigns. We appoint that position. So Yeah, that's like uh, the mayor, when he appoints somebody on his board, he appoints people that agree with him. He don't want anybody on the board that don't agree with him. Well, now you're making assumptions. Well, no, but that's the way I see it. From well, a, that's my political. Ask your little professor about that. Okay, well, I, stop calling him little. But little. Um, he. So I mean, this is this is politics. This is right. How a lot of politicians. Works, right? uh, um, you know, and he's making assumptions about Mitch Reynolds, and I I sure. won't do that. I don't know who's on his board, and does he have, and what we would call a bunch of yes men. Do you know? But we see that a lot. Like uh, we saw that in the Trump organization. I think a lot. We saw people resigning because they didn't agree with what Trump was doing. And I'm always like, Why are you resigning? You had to stay in there and kind of like fight the man, right? Like, don't be the yes man. And some some politicians may have some backbone and not just hire a bunch of yes men, right? Rick, there's a really famous book on this topic called Team of Rivals. It's about Abraham Lincoln and how Lincoln, part of his greatness was that he surrounded himself with people who didn't necessarily agree with each other and people who would challenge him. You have to find that balance as a politician. You don't just want to appoint people who are battling you all the time. That would just make for dysfunction. But you also don't want yes people right because you want people to challenge you and push you when it's appropriate to do so it's a tough balance to strike you want a cohesive cooperative team you also want a diversity of perspectives appointing people to positions is not an easy task and now the the school board has a vacancy people will apply and then they will appoint somebody and and we argue we don't want just another yes man so to speak yes person on the school board, but that was the person that resigned. So, I mean, yeah. And the, there's a group that is complaining about that, or at least saying, well, look, we need to make sure that people who are against the 
combination of the high schools that they apply to this position, but you had someone with that point of right. view who has now left the I've, position. And I, I, I said, Rob, whenever he wants to come on, he can, he can come on and we could try to explain why, why that was the route for him to take. It, it's a fascinating study in how you make change and how you can best advocate for change. Do you do that by making a resignation and trying to gain publicity through the resignation, using that as your platform, or do you stay on the inside, stay on the school board, and try to fight your battles there? I don't know what's better or worse, but obviously Rob Abraham chose the former option, making that big-time resignation, that news-making resignation, and and trying to make his point that way. And we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. It must have worked. All right, we'll be back. Do we wait for the do do do? Got yes. it. Right? Yes, we wait. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski, PhD, on here with me in studio with me as he is most Fridays. Um, so Andrew's calling in and he wants to deep dive, and I don't know if I'm prepared for a deep dive on a Friday. Also, okay. it's like a little beyond me. Okay. We, we we he sent the text this morning and it's and. And I don't think he, the text got through, um, but we'll we'll let him go. Andrew, all right, like as succinctly as possible, try to explain what you're trying to you were trying to explain in your text. Yeah, and I do get rambly, so cut me <laughs> off if that becomes the case, right? Um, yeah. Good afternoon. So I was listening to the Sean Hannity program on Wednesday. He had on as a guest Oliver North. Um, so. It got me thinking, like, over the next day and a half about how Oliver North was guilty of crimes during the Iran-Contra affair. And likewise, the American political right was helping wage war against a populist movement against a dictatorial regime because they felt as though that was a superior system of governance. Before that got a chance to get off the ground... The contrast, as supported by the United States, my man Oliver North, for example, um, they fought against this democratically socialist government before it got a chance to get off the ground. Likewise, today, we see the American right is undermining democracy and dang sure trying to keep any kind of democratic or openly democratic socialist um, governments to get off of the ground. We say that and during the Obama administration, this man's a devil. They're trying to spend all the money they can just so that they can ruin America. The economy increases. We get out of this recession, and uh, now we're doing the same thing. And now, again, it's the devil. They're spending the money. There's just a lot of similarities in we these don't, things. We don't say the devil anymore. We say the spaghetti monster. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I don't mean to offend. <laughs> all right. Hold tight here. All right, Chagoski, do you do you have a do you have a not a rebuttal, but like any comment here? You know, one thing about Oliver North, and it relates to the changing nature of politics in the United States. He's really good on TV. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can look at all of the shenanigans and the scandal from the Reagan era of politics. Those hearings that. Oliver North did in the late 80s surrounding Iran-Contra were captivating because North North understood how to play to a TV audience, and that catapulted him to a career in politics and a career in, frankly, political entertainment. So it, it turns out that, you know, the 
actual things that happened during Iran-Contra have largely been memory hold. And what we have is Oliver North, who really became a star on the well, political right over his, uh, his performance in the congressional hearings and the efforts, the campaigns that he waged after that. What we have is 50 news stations that run 24 hours a day. Yeah. And you talk about Sean Hannity. I think he's on the radio for four and then on TV for another couple. Look, the right? reason that Sean Hannity has Oliver North on is because Oliver North is entertaining to the audience. Yeah, he's A, entertaining the audience. B, I got to fill some time. I got to fill some time. <laughs> yeah. Also, Andrew's text. Now, it's not uh, – if I go, there's, uh, there's only two punctuation marks, two question marks in the whole text, and the word count is 98. So That's he wrote ninety eight word ninety eight word sentence when he tells you he's uh, he's a little rambly. Yeah, that's, that's a lot rambly. That's Andrew. an impressive sentence. That is the longest question I've ever seen in my life. Right there, that whole paragraph. I, I love it. That's one. That's one question. All right, let's. Uh, I, I want to get into this in a in a, in a little bit. The uh, quiet quitting. This quiet this, quitting. This uh, a, a TikTok video went went viral. I think eight million people saw it, and it was about quiet quitting. So when we talk about nobody wants to work, um, I think oh, that's no the... no one wants to work. And also unemployment's at a historical all-time low. That is the... it. Every time, I just... Smoke blows out of my ears, Rick, when I hear no one wants to work. <laughs> when you look at the unemployment rate, when you look at workforce participation, when you look at this idea of paying people not to work, but, oh, wait, the expanded unemployment benefits have been gone, and they've been gone for a really long time. That is the biggest cop-out that I've... that that is out there by big business about why people are having issues hiring. It, it's the biggest excuse that I'm hearing. Yeah, it's just, it just, I, I, I need to stop, Rick, before I say <laughs> something that I'm going to regret. Well, I don't need you quiet quitting. You got, I'm but not don't quiet quit. But if you're going to stop, then you're kind of not going above and beyond. I'm what not going the above and beyond in explaining my fury that happens when I hear people don't want to work. So maybe I am quite. All right. Homework for people. We're going to talk about quiet quitting after the bottom half of the hour. Also, there's high school football on at the end of this hour. Yeah, that time of uh, year. So we've already had a game last night, another game tonight. Uh, Drew Kelly will be on the call. But what what amongst the things that, you know, um, in in terms of Wisconsin politics, and it can be it can be Senate race too if you want to talk about. But what what do you think is over the last week, and are we going to get any Friday news dumps? Is just most interesting about what's going on with you know we're heading into the midterms now. We've got we're and we're a week into this right yeah, or right. a little over a week. We've had two high quality polls come out: one from Marquette University and one from Fox News. Both are top-notch pollsters, and they paint really the same picture of our two major races in Wisconsin. Tony Evers has a very small lead over Tim Michaels. Yeah, dwindling over the past two months. Exactly. Is that just because, like, the TV ads are kicking in? The TV ads are <laughs> for kicking Michaels? in. Republicans are unifying around Tim Michaels. People are split on Tim Michaels. It was interesting to see that 33% of voters have a positive view of Tim Michaels, the Republican candidate for governor, and 33% have a negative view of Tim Michaels. With, with Michaels being the candidate. Now, we've, I see two AP stories that take that is Republicans going after Tony Evers. Have you seen these stories? One is over driver's licenses or professional licenses. They're not getting to the licensee it's on a big time. problem. 
And then the other one was about you know, Republicans block Evers spending plan for opioid settlement. That seems that was a baffling one, Rick, because you had basically Republicans blocking this plan to spend the millions of dollars that 31. the state of Wisconsin is getting from the settlement with the opioid companies, the the deal, the lawsuit dealing with addiction and falsehoods and misleading people about the risks of opioids. And so the uh, governor Evers had this plan for how we were going to spend the money in Wisconsin, dealing with things like Narcan availability and treatment. And then the Republicans on a key committee, the legislative, uh, I can't remember what the name of the committee is, uh, but it's a committee that does have veto power over this kind of thing. And what happened is that they basically blocked the Evers plan for doing the opioid settlement. Joint Finance Committee. Joint Finance Committee. That seems like one you would not forget. Yeah. I I would, but you would. I I remember Joint Finance because they're like the budgeting committee. They also do have power over this kind of thing. But So my theory here is uh, Evers is going against Michaels. We now have the race. Now we're going to buck. We're Republicans in the legislature. We're going to buck at some of this stuff so that we can go into this. Oh, look at Evers not doing this. Evers not doing that. Right. Like now we're playing politics. Now we're playing campaigning. Rick, what was so telling about this is the Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee did not even offer an explanation for why they were upset or opposed to the Evers plan for the opioid settlement money. They said, well, basically, we just want to figure out a better way to use the money without actually saying okay, what is your objection to the Evers plan and how might you develop a better plan for using this money? It's just... And it's not like Evers handed them the plan Monday and they've had the plan, so they're bucking against this now? What is so missing in Wisconsin politics is serious adult debate. And this is not serious adult debate. This is just people being given a plan, saying no, no, and then not telling us any other Well, details. what's your plan? Yeah, you what's, know, like, what's your what's plan? Your plan? What's it's your always, plan? And it would be hard to have a plan if the state legislature's been out of session for five months and is going to be out of session for the next five months. So we're in the middle of uh, Republicans who control the legislature having their 10-week vacation, or 10-month uh, vacation. I always say <laughs> it's, it's easy to be against something. It's harder to figure out what you're for. In this case, the Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee gave the thumbs down to this plan. But what are they for? What do they want with the opioid settlement money? We don't know. And I wish we knew. Because I feel like this story could have came out a month ago or weeks ago or however many months ago. But now we have a governor's race. So it's playing politics. It's politics season. Um, All right. We got to take another break. We'll be back. A little surprise, no doubt. It was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> well, a couple weeks ago, you were like, you did a different No Doubt song. You did the, this, like, well, the downer no, one. No Doubt has Good Friday vibes. Yeah, definitely. Unlike that call earlier. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Andrew. Yeah, asking us to analyze Iran-Contra on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Come on. Also, like, I'm not... No, uh, I, I appreciated the call. It, not, was, it was a really good call. It's one of those that uh, I would have to do a little homework before <laughs> I started to talk about Iran-Contra. I'm, I'm, you're going to hit a timeline Good thing you me. have the nerd in studio. That's what, well, yeah. that's that's why. Otherwise, if you if it would have just been a regular day where I'm just taking calls and Andrew calls with that, and I look at that text and be like, Andrew, I don't, I have no idea, How man. How quickly can you Wikipedia Iran-Contra? Right. <laughs> 
608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. All right, so I do have another caller calling in. That's why we call them callers. Um, this is this is Greg. Greg's calling in, and he had a question for you because we were talking about, and I, I want to get to the quiet quitting story, the the yeah. quiet quitting, the new phrase, the, maybe the new. It's, a, it's another terrible way to call something that isn't it at all. Sure. Uh, what are a couple of the other? Uh, there were so many of these. Uh, defund the police comes to mind right off the top of my head. Something that that isn't a thing that is, but we we take it to heart, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe you could think of some other phrases, but I'll let Greg Greg explain. Greg, go ahead. You're on the air. Okay, so Rick just made a comment that uh, we have record low unemployment, and you, uh, Doctor Chikoski, uh, said uh, you. People don't want to work, or you said you've heard people say that they don't want to work. My question is: During Trump, uh, before the pandemic, uh, we didn't have an issue with people looking for jobs. I mean, as far as filling jobs. Now, everywhere you go, people say we can't find people to fill jobs. Where I work, uh, we are trying to hire people, and we can't we can't find people to work. So my question is, where have all these people gone? So a couple things there. First, let's take workforce participation. Let's look at workforce participation. Because I brought up unemployment as yep. the, the super easy number. Oh, record low unemployment. And unemployment, you, you could say, is kind of a terrible way to analyze whether or not uh, we, but, have, but we have. I, I appreciate the question, though. It's because it didn't seem like there was such a struggle to find jobs maybe during the Trump administration, or to, to get people hired in jobs, to find people to fill jobs. Yeah, the, 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 we weren't going, nobody wants to work. No. Let's, um, but but let's, also, like, we weren't using that phrase because it was 2016. But, Rick, let's look at the data. Okay. So workforce participation, that is the percentage of adults who are working or looking for work. In Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. 66.3% workforce participation in January 2020. That's basically the last pre-pandemic period in the Trump administration. 66.3? 66.3%. Okay, so two-thirds of people are participating in workforce. Yep, during Trump pre-pandemic. Okay. Today, 66.2, unchanged from the pre-pandemic Trump administration to today. Now let's look at the unemployment rate. So during Trump, the unemployment rate was 3.1% in Wisconsin January 2020. Right before the pandemic. Right before the pandemic, 3.1%. Right now, it is 2.9%, basically unchanged. Okay, so what's going on? We have a workforce participation that is unchanged. By the way, Wisconsin has much higher workforce participation than the nation as a whole. Our workforce participation is four points higher than the nation as a whole. But who do we give credit to, the Republicans in the state legislature or the Democratic governor? Well, we have to battle over that because one side has to be right and the other side has to be wrong. Yeah, right. So, okay, if workforce participation hasn't changed in Wisconsin and the unemployment rate hasn't changed in Wisconsin, what has? Well, I can think of something that has happened. Cool phrases like, nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. And then that's fun to talk about. That is the single biggest red flag, by the way, Rick, when recruiters come to UW-Lacrosse. They want to recruit our students and if I hear a recruiter for a company say, oh, just no one wants to work, 
that is a huge red flag. And I am not enthusiastic, perhaps, about our students applying to work for that particular outlet or yeah, you're going or, or, or employer. Yeah, you're probably tackling that uh, in a no very incorrect. No one wants to work for you. That's the problem, right? When you, and then your your attitude is probably your your attitude, your and it's aura, a bad just, attitude on the part of the employer. Well, I think people pick up on that too. Like, wow, Absolutely. this guy's vibe isn't you know, and like, oh my god, Rick's talking about vibes. But you, you definitely get that when you go to a different job interview. You'd be like, mm, yeah, I don't think I like to. I don't know if I like it here. But for the employers who do have a good attitude and who do want to make an honest effort to find people and don't have a, such a negative view of the employees that are out there, I do have incredible sympathy. And in this case, Rick, it's because of the great resignation, which we have talked about during the break. Is mainly, is, is a total mislabel. It's the great job shuffling. I knew there was another one that I just, I'm like, we just talked about the, during the break, the it, great, the, the terrible mislabeling Rick, of things. This is a once in a generation shift in the workforce in terms of people feeling more free to move around jobs, try out different jobs, people who have worked in the same industry for years wanting to move to another industry because, hey, they say now's their shot. Yeah, because maybe, A, we had a pandemic and the caller, uh, Greg, said that, you know, he, the key phrase was here, before the pandemic, we didn't have this problem. We didn't. And after the pandemic, the pandemic. So a lot of those people during the pandemic lost their jobs. They did. And then they went and got jobs. And they then they did. were like, holy cow, those jobs pay way better than the job that I just had. And maybe, maybe, or maybe not, they like it, but at least it pays better. It's this crazy, I think of it as this crazy game of musical chairs. And people are trying to figure out, okay, when am I going to sit down? Or what seat do I want to take? There's a lot of instability. Well, you just right sit now. on when the music stops. Well, or you could, you? We could just stop the music and then everyone would have a job. Except that one guy. Except one guy. Because we pulled one chair. Yeah. Is that Greg? Yeah, it would be great. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know, but, but if if they're they're having trouble finding people to work, um, no offense, but it might just be as simple as like add four dollars to the hourly salary. Yeah, I think that there are things employers can do. I think that employers, if they have the attitude that well, no one wants to work anymore. They need to change that attitude because that is not a healthy attitude for finding workers. It's also not true that no one wants to work anymore. So you're basing your assumptions on the job market on something that just is plainly false. Nobody wants to work more. Again, when I hear that from an employer who is recruiting at UW-Lacrosse, that might be the biggest red flag of any red flag. All right. got to take one more break. We'll be back. Oh, hey, on oh, the air, buddy. The air. That came on the air. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the room, in the room, and I can hear you. No, Six. Sam is learning lots of things from Rick. Yeah, Sam's in here. She's got to run the board for the for the football game here in a couple of minutes uh, because we have the Packer game. We had the Brewer game on this afternoon. The Packer game is on, I think pregame is going on right now at WKTY, so we're doing high school football with Drew Kelly in here in a couple of minutes. But we, we do. We have a couple of minutes. And I, I saw this. It's funny because I we you know it's it's one of those things where maybe maybe my phone's listening to me because we're talking about work and then the this NPR story pops up. Just what like the is great quitting? Uh, the great resignation is a terrible label. This is one. Yeah. Too. What, headline: What is quote unquote quiet quitting and how it may be a misnomer for setting boundaries at work? It is a misnomer, yeah. by the way. So when we we misappropriately <laughs> label stuff like the great resignation. 
or defund the police. What was the other one? Now I just forgot. There was yeah, three of them. It's a Friday. I it's can't a Friday, man. And so now we have quiet quitting. And what quiet quitting is, is not people quitting their jobs at all. It's people just not, you know, when you, hey, can you stick around for a couple hours after, or for an hour later after work and help finish this up, you know? And it's like, well, it's five o'clock on a Friday, or it's six, you know, six five fifty five today. When Drew Kelly comes on, see ya, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, but what, what if your boss comes in here and is like, oh, can you just stick around for an hour? You know, like right now, maybe they pop their head in into the studio. Hey, Rick, can you stick stick around for an hour and just help out? We got some stuff that has nothing to do with your job, but we actually need some help doing that. Uh, and it'd be like, oh, um, actually, no, I'm gonna go. <laughs> so. There's like not that I would not that I would do that because I'm not a quiet quitter, so to speak. No, you're you're the last person who I would say is a quiet quitter. Except for today. If Except somebody did that today. right now today, I would yeah. be like, actually somebody's outside waiting for me <laughs> and I am out of here. And thanks for Drew to come on, coming on five minutes early early because I'm gonna get out of here five minutes earlier. But quiet quitting is essentially I don't wanna do Five minutes earlier for you to get to Corky's Pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Quiet quitting essentially is I don't want to do the extra. I don't want to go above and beyond. And 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 that might not be the greatest for your career. I don't want to go above and beyond and do the things that are asked of me, but I'm not getting compensated for. But I think we're in a situation now in the world where, uh, especially if you work for like a giant corporation, and be like, oh, hey, can you stick around and do something and you're not getting paid for it? Well, didn't you just make four and a half billion dollars in profits? So maybe you could pay me for the thing. Um, you know, it's a little different when it's a small business, right? Like there's there's probably a little bit. But also, like even there is, is like, well, uh, you know, like, yeah, but also compensate me. And I get that people are upset about this because they're used to that hustle culture that they talked about in the NPR article we were looking at uh, at this and the Wall Street Journal article, that hustle culture. You got to grind your way to advancing in your career. That's like the 20-something motto. And now maybe the motto is that you should have a life outside of work. Yeah, work. You leave work at work. You leave work at work. And it's getting harder to do that in this day and age because work is in your pocket all the time. Work can always get a hold of you. It is funny because that, that, like, I don't know if a lot of older people think about that. I guess they all have cell phones too, but they're retired, right? But like, work can always get a hold of you. How many times do I bug you during the weekend? And it's not work (laughs) for you, really, but it's also like, I'm tuned out, Rick. I don't want to think about politics and I'm sending you, you know, an NPR story about quiet quitting. No, I I think that there is some there are some healthy aspects of this. According to the Wall Street Journal, this has been generating millions of views on TikTok as some young professionals reject the idea of going above and beyond in their careers. Just saying there's lesser enthusiasm for their job. God forbid they want to like hang out with their family. <laughs> you know like <laughs> You don't want to stick around after work? Well, actually, like the kids and I had planned to go to the park and hang out before it gets dark out because you actually made me come in at nine and leave at five and it gets dark at six. Oh, being a new parent? I totally get the quiet quitting thing now. (laughs) Like, oh, actually, I have to go home to change diapers and give bottles. Chancellor Joe Gow listens to the show. You know that, right? He's listening right now. Edit this part out of the podcast. (laughs) Just dump. I got a 20-second dump on. I got to hit it like four times. Um, all right, real quick before we, we head out, Eric from Sparta is calling. Eric, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask Dr. Sagoski, but I have one, one thing I'll ask you this. Do you think meritocracy is the answer to capitalism, the only way to get out of it, or do you think, or do you think diversity, equity, and inclusion is the answer for it? I have 
please ask that question because I'm concerned about that because it bothers me quite a bit. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Uh, A meritocracy versus inclusion? Is that what we're doing? I have 45 seconds to analyze the debate between meritocracy and diversity, equity, and Not even that. You have like 20 seconds. (laughs) Let me Um, just say that I don't see a dichotomy between the two necessarily. I don't see that you have to go with one or the other. I think you can value all of that at the same time. It's not easy, but I think organizations can and should value all of the above. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Also... You know, capitalism. Yeah, capitalism. We'll be back uh, with Drew Kelly, high school football coming up.